the Damaged Goods Podcast. Giving me uh, what do they call that movie? Deliverance vibes. You ever seen that movie? Sort of like that. Where they play the banjo on in. in yeah, but I I can't I can't play. Actually, that's like you play they're it doing well. Um, dueling banjos. I can't play that shit. Was it easy from guitar to banjo? No, and actually, I don't even think I know how to play the banjo. I think <laughs> that I'm just like doing some shit that came but naturally to me. It's kind of ill because you. Like a visual artist, you you play drums and you play guitar, and apparently you play the fucking banjo, and that's impressive because you're a visual artist. You know what I'm saying? You have mad artistic talents. Yeah, the only reason I play the banjo is because I saw this dude Roger Sprung. He's like a world famous banjo player, and credit, dude. If, he, if you're a banjo player, you know who Roger Sprung is. And when I saw him at this concert, he was selling banjos, and I was like, damn, dude. Like, I was watching what he was doing and, like, the sounds he was making, and I was like, yo, this shit is dope, dude. Like, like the like the twang you got is dope. Man. And, yo, your, your folks, does anyone, I know your brother plays nah. music, but no one, you just have the music in the... Yeah, show. no, my my family is, like, more a military family. And like, nobody's a visual artist other than you? painter a drawer my mom's into art like she was a watercolor painter for some time ah. but like she had some shows but it's like not like so it's nobody just, in my caught, family made a living off you of just art. caught the natural fucking talent vibes i was always the the black sheep of my family yes like i was always the one that was like going in the different direction yeah this yeah. uh this banjo playing multifaceted multi-talented artist that's the guest on the first Damaged Goods episode in almost two months is not only one of my uh, oldest and closest and best friends, but he's my personal favorite artist. Snizzle. Uh He's a, you know, I guess I could, can I say he was a graffiti artist? But even before say that, he was, uh, yeah. uh, I don't even know what the proper word, a traditional artist. He does mad art shit. He's an incredible painter, a drawer, sculpts. He makes things out of everything. And uh, he's also now a curator and runs a gallery. This is my main man, Tyler Farman. Uh, no doubt. A- can I say the other name? Can I say the other name? You can say Rainzo. A.K.A. Yeah, Rainzo, Rainzo, man. Rainzo. Rainzo. So you might hear me say Rains or Rainzo, but that's Tyler. That's my boy, Tyler Farman. And that's how and you know me. So. aside from all those artistic talents that I mentioned, the reason that me and Tyler uh, became friends and know each other is through another art form, uh, skateboarding. Which we both grew up doing together, and when we met when we were fifteen and shit, we were skating. That's very more of a to me more of an expression, more of an art than than a sport. Obviously, that's no, depending who. Yeah, the, yo, here, yeah, bring that yeah. mic a little closer. No, the, the, you can the, take it out the stand if you want to get cozy, brother. No, it's cool. I don't want you to get I'm, your I'm back. Good, but right. yeah, no, no, I I agree. I think skateboarding is like, it's not just a sport. Like it, my in my opinion, skateboarding is. Probably one of the most complex, difficult sports that anyone could do. It's like, yeah, like you look at basketball, baseball, you know, baseball, you hold a bat, you hit a ball, 
that's tough. Like basketball, you're holding the ball and you're hitting it in the hoop. Skateboarding, you got to have balance right on the board and then do tricks with it. That's beyond most people. I mean, there's a lot of people that could shoot a three-pointer and a lot of people that could hit a ball if it's pitched to them. But there is not a lot of people that could ride down a hill on a skateboard. And I think a lot of people even that want to get into it or whatever, the the trial and error process, even if you're a pro or, or a beginner, it's like, yes, you get de- people definitely get hurt in professional sports and, and even in the college and high school level, no doubt. But For sure. skateboarding, like we were throwing ourselves down stairs, rails, gaps, smacking, yeah. cracking, breaking, and you get dirty, up. cut, messy, um, all that shit. Yeah, and you get up and you and you go back and you... For some reason, like people that watch it, they're like, "Why did that guy just get up and go try it again? Like he just ate shit and oh, like God. messed himself up real bad, and he's going back to do it again." Yeah, it's that. There's a pride. It's that drive too, like especially if it's a trick you not only do you really want, but you like know you could do it. You feel like you could do it, right? Like if you if you backside flipped a a three set, now you feel like when you're young, that's not very big. You feel like you could backside flip a six set. You can visualize it and see it in your mind. So you're like, I just gotta do this and like I hit the shit right. You know what I'm saying? Time yeah. and you can do it. And I mean, there's some days where you do like you know take slams and slams for sure. Slams. And you feel like I have to get it. I gotta yeah. get it. Like, yeah. And I, I remember like I remember when, when 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 Tyler and I were younger. Uh, obviously, like we looked up to like, pros and shit, and like we'd skate, maybe maybe get lucky to skate for a shop and be sponsored by a shop. But you'd film video parts, and we'd film. You remember, like when you're filming, especially a harder trick, it was like, no, 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 one more try, one more try. Like you wanted to keep trying because you felt like you could do it. And I always felt sometimes like the the filmer, the videographer, would be like, after a while, like, okay, uh, all right, like tired, you know, because they they were yeah. like, getting sick of filming you not make it. You know, the filmers have the like that. That's just as hard of a job as yeah. a skater, and because they got to sure. skate too. A lot of people might not know if you've ever watched a skate video where where they're in motion, the filmer is on a board himself. Exactly, you know yep. what I'm saying. So he's yep. got to hold that expensive ass camera, hold the shot steady, and also skate the board and not hit like a rock or or a kink or a little like crack. And like you've seen, even we've done it. We're like you fuck up, and and the the board might come back and hit the camera. Um, yeah, the cameraman might drop and break it. A thousand bucks or some shit. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, God. yeah. Filmers, that's no joke job, man. That's no, a, it's that's not. a real job. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because me and me and Tyler uh, kind of removed from our skating prime, you know. And I think our our different artistic shit kind of like came into our forefront of our passions, right? Like music, a few like visual art, but we still loved skating, still would dabble, still skate to this day, not nearly at the level we did as kids, but we'd still like watch skate videos, follow the culture, who's dope, who did this, who did what, you know, which I love, man. It makes me feel like I'm still younger. Uh, yeah. You know? Yo, I just, I, yeah. And I want to say, like Jake said before, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have met Jake if it wasn't for skateboarding yeah. because when uh, I went to the high school that I went to, I met Jake through skateboarding. Yeah. And, um, you know, through that, through skateboarding and through everything else, that also propelled me into the artistic career that I have now yeah. because I met people through skateboarding that opened up doors that I never knew existed, you know, and I wouldn't have gone to art school if it wasn't for skateboarding and for the friends that I had from ninth grade 
well, do you think? I don't know. I got kicked like, out of school. But. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where kind of like your like your love or passion or interest in graffiti kind of started. I just remember. Like one day we've been friends already. I was like, "Damn, dude, this dude kind of like, not only catching tags, but he's kind of nice. Not just the black book shit or whatever." It, it was where like, did it, yo, that kid that was friends from? with Hero. His name was Sam. It Sam was Spry, not Sam Spry. Oh. Sam Spry was the Asian kid. Yeah, we might venture yeah, off into was, little tangents of friends and people we know. So we'll uh, yeah. It try was to- this other dude, Sam, and he had like graffiti books filled with shit. And I was like, "Yo, what?" Like I looked at that and I was like, "This." This is what I want to do. Did you and feel like, like when you saw it, you like, I, I can do that? Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to New York and I'm going to go all city. I was like, that's it. I was like, this is my shit. I was like, this is what I want to do in my life. I was like, I want to get a tag name and go to New York and get all city. What and is all like, city for people who might not be familiar with the like, grammar graffiti? Basically, you have a tag in Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Long Island, Staten Island. Like you got a tag in all boroughs. Every every borough, all five boroughs, you know, and yeah, I never really actually made it all city because I didn't hit up Long Island too much. Oh, you mean Staten or Long Island? Either one, probably. Huh? Long uh, Staten Island or Long Island, but but I had the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. You had I had a lot this of this one roller on the BQE. It was you, Poise. It's still there. Somebody it's, else, it's and still it's, there. it's it's one of these rollers that still runs in New York. And if you ride on the BQE, you're gonna see it. And I remember when you did it, and I remember just every time when I even moved to New York many years later, or would go back and forth between Boston and New York, seeing it. Anybody takes that bus from Boston, you're going to see it. And and I would always point it out to people in the car and like, you know. Yeah, you're going to see that shit. If you go from Manhattan into Brooklyn and you take the BQE, you can't miss it. It's it's in your face. It's like, it's huge. So what I was saying, I don't know, people might not understand what a roller is and where... You had to do it. Can you explain this particular piece? Like, because it it's a common thing. It was that was a difficult piece because we did it in two nights. It was like, um, it's actually fucked up. Like, we we did <laughs> we did the white we did the white on one night, and then we were like, yo, let's let the white dry because we if we go do the blue over it, it's gonna it's gonna mix. It's to gonna mic. be fucked up. Hey, get closer to that mic though. I want so you. we did the white one night, and then. The next night, I got arrested, so I was in jail, and I I was like, oh man, I like I couldn't even call my my boys because this was like a time before everybody. What'd you get had arrested for writing cell phones? I, I I can't even remember something. <laughs> I got arrested for something, but I was I had to go to Central Bookings, and I was like, all right, this is gonna be like a twenty four to seventy two hour yeah. ordeal, which and I I was like, damn, my boys, I know they're going to paint this piece and finish it. So I was like, fuck. And when I, I remember when I got out of jail, they were like, yo, peep that shit. And I like went and looked and they were like, yo, what? I was like, what the fuck? They, they did the outlines in blue for me. Oh. And so I was like, yo, that's fucking dope, man. You guys hooked me up. And I was like, but you didn't put the cracks in my piece. And so I like, I went, went back and put some cracks in it. But so explain to like listeners, you got to visualize what he's going to explain to you. This was a piece on the top of a, a, a four or five story building, but Yo, how was, do you do these? It was explain- my building, and like the the reason that we could get to that building was because we could go up off of our fire escape, and we could jump four buildings down to get to that spot that was on the BQE, 
and, and you're doing it basically you're doing it upside down, right? Yeah, we had to Explain do it upside, it upside down, down with rollers, and we we had to a like paint roller. There's a big paint roller, not a yeah. not like a Rusto can or a Krylon. No, can. yeah, we were doing it with rollers like upside down, so you had to think about your letters and the shit you were doing, you know, and yeah, everything's upside down, so you got to think about that shit on a different level. Yeah, you know. But then when I got out and I and I saw that they had finished it, I was like, "Oh shit, man! Yo, these guys hooked me up." That's homies man. right there. That's homies, and they, they. But I didn't like. They put all their crew shit up on their pieces, and I didn't have any crew shit on my so piece. That, so you I was weren't like, in a crew at that time. No, I was. I was in a crew. I was in uh, DFM. Um, but they weren't, so they couldn't put your shit AP. in there. Yeah, they weren't in my crews. We were all in different crews. They were. Uh. They were in a. MUL made you look crew, yeah, which is like I, a free yeah. crew from down south, more like an it's, it's like an Atlanta crew that does mainly freights and that's like uh, Milko is a big dude on that. And, uh, uh, what up, Milko? And then uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of dudes. Uh, Sauce, Sauce is a big fucking MUL dude, and, and Poise is MUL and Tokyo was MUL. But I wasn't in that crew. So like I couldn't put that shit up and they couldn't put my shit up. So what it's like um I don't know, it breaks like some kind of code of conduct or honor if even though you're their boy because they're not in that crew, they would not be able to put that up for you yeah, without Yeah, no, it's crossing like some yeah, it's like yeah, it's like some Steven Seagal shit, code of honor. <laughs> so like, you know, uh for people that might not be familiar with the world of graffiti, there is a lot of like brotherhood and loyalty in crews, but there's all these rules, street rules, unwritten rules, which are um, followed pretty strictly. And when they're not, there's repercussions and issues and yeah. problematic and, matters that occur. You know, the, the, the main crew that I got affiliated with was DFM. You know, that stands for like dysfunctional family members. And that's basically what we all were. We were all dysfunctional yeah, family yeah. members, just, you know a conglomerate of that shit and you know everybody kind of showed up at New York City at the same time and it, and it became this thing and it was like there was TKO TKO was bigger BTM BTM was bigger there was a ton of crews that were way bigger than us but like we were trying to become something and we were definitely like definitely catching tags but oh like, yeah the, the top crews the top dudes in the crew wanted to treat it like it was a legit fucking gang. And so... Is that common for a lot of graffiti crews? I don't know, man. I don't know what the way that that shit works with, like, the other crews. But I but I know that, like, when I became a member of DFM, I had to get beat down. for like three jumped minute, in? Three minute, yeah, I had to get jumped in for three minutes straight in a hallway and just get the shit kicked out of me, you know? So and how do I, they they say, hey, you're about to get jumped into the crew? This they were just we like, yo, you want to like, you want to be in the D? They were like, yo, here's the thing. You got to do three three spots, top spots, just straight DFM. You got to do that. And then you got to catch this beat down for three minutes. And so I was like, all right, that's easy. And so I did the three spots. And then we were in a hallway one night. And they were like, all right, dude, you did the three spots. And then these five guys just beat the fuck out of me in the hallway. And, and you're not allowed stomp. to fight back kind of thing. No, it's you're like not allowed gauntlet. to fight back. It's like you just chill and you just take the beating. You just Shit. fucking take it. For how long? Three minutes? Three minutes. I feel like I maybe I have been misinformed, but I feel like there's street gangs that don't jump in for that long. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm, I'm not, I don't know. I, that, know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I mean, they chilled out. 
after I was like really getting my ass beat, fuck, and they were also my friends, so it was like, what the fuck's the point of this, you know? Like, because I was I was kind of pissed because there was also other people that got initiated into the crew who never had to get that beat down and who never had to do the spots, and it was because they had wealth or money or something that the crew oh, could get. They could lend a hand. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. So I'm not going to say no names, but like there were some people that got put on the crew and they started writing the D and they never had to go through the shit that I went through. So I was like, yo, what the fuck? That's bullshit. Did, you, did but, it ever make you feel, though, that you might have earned your spot a little iller? Yeah, and I maybe, felt like I earned it way more than other and people. And maybe that they actually respected you more as a writer because you didn't have anything else to offer other than your skills and your yeah, you know, I think what have you. It, I think, yeah, I think there was there was a respect on all different levels in that sort of game, like for, in terms of what certain people could offer. It's Yo. like you know, it's like if you can offer this, people are going to have a certain respect for you. Or, or if if you've got this kind of power, people are going to have a certain respect for you. Or if you're if you have nothing and people know that you're willing to like go all the way, go out fucking all out, yeah, then that's a different type of respect. Yeah, let me it's ask all you this. different types of respect. I've never had to like, you know, do anything like that. I mean, those kind of the reasons are why I've always avoided things like fraternities or like joining the army or anything, even like a corporation or whatever. I can't, in my mind, I'm very um, resistant to like, if I feel like I'm getting pushed or threat, I'm my rebellious spirit strikes, I'll fight back no matter what. How can you? At least I'm I'm asking. Okay, they say, hey, this is what's gonna happen for three minutes. You can't fight back. How did you like turn that switch off? Because I feel like if I was in your situation, at some point I would have just snapped and tried to defend myself. There were there were there were dudes in the crew that I had respect that I wanted to get their respect, and I was oh. like, yo, I want I if if I want to get their respect and I want to be in this crew, like that's what I have to do. Mm. And uh, you know, again, I'm not gonna say names, but yeah. like. There was a couple dudes that, like, I really felt like if I gain their respect and this is how I have to do it, fuck it. Mm. I'm going to do it, you mm. know? That's and then, intense. you know, there were other crews. They were they were harder. Like, I remember, and I can say his name, Take BTM. We were at the pizza bar in Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, that's when I realized, like, damn, our crew isn't as hard as these other crews because we're not toting guns. We, oh, and we're not getting that physical with people like we we were, we would get physical but like but but this day was like kind of a, a rude awakening where like I got punched in the face and he had a gun drawn on me and I was like yo it was just over like graffiti beef territory beef? I, I didn't know I would, like, they, oh, they, it was like these these dudes were girl. beefing with the leaders of my crew and I had no idea what what it was about and I just wound up in the middle of it, and just you're a, because uh, I was there, essentially a soldier or something. Yeah, sort. I got because I was there. I got like punched real hard in the face by Take, and I didn't drop my Guinness. I looked at him in the face. I was like, "What was that for, bro?" And he's like, "Cause you're in the D." And I was like, "What the fuck?" And then like, that's when the guns came out, and like everybody got serious, and it was like, "Yo, we gotta." I was with my girlfriend and like oh, some shit. out of town people that were there, and they were like, "Yo, what are you doing? What's this?" And I was like, "Let's all, let's just bounce. We all bounce." And so I was like, "Yo, man," that was the start of me saying to myself, "I don't, 
I'm going to move in a different direction from this. Like, I don't want to move on to the crime side of this. I want to yeah. move into the positive, like, artistic side of this. Because, like, when I got into graffiti, it was because I loved art and shit like that. You know, and it was like, I liked the artistic, creative side of it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in New York, graffiti became more about, like, how much jail time you did or, you know, your street credibility or, you know, what weapons you have or this or that or, like, who's going to fuck who up? And it's like, that took the artistic side out and the creative side out of oh. it for me. And it was like, what am I doing? Like, this is not... You know, I want to, oh. I want to be, I'm in this for the creativity, not for the violence and the, the gang shit. Like, fuck that. Like, that's bullshit. Because, I mean, it's kind of common for a lot of graffiti artists to transition, especially if there's like, um, you know, financial opportunities and such, to doing, you know, canvases and, and or designing for companies or, or whatever, just selling their pieces of galleries or doing all kinds of shit, you know, like you don't have to stay in that realm. And I know there's probably a lot of writers who do. And there's the ones that are very well known who make these huge transitions and become insanely successful. Yeah, is, is it's, it, it's, it's fucking do, hit or miss, man. I mean, I know back in you know the 80s and shit, I'm sure writers who made that transition were probably looked down upon by the, the more purist, the hardcore writers. But at in the, in the 2000s and shit, I can imagine that you couldn't look down on other writers for doing that. It was so n normal. Like, no one could say, oh, you're fucking selling out or some shit, right? Because yeah, you're, you're yeah. making a transition that most guys would hope to make, right? Or maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Well, I don't no, know. No, it's, it's, I mean, dude, the whole game is, like, so, it's so inflated that, like, the most expensive piece I ever sold, and I'll say it. It's canvas? You mean $12,500. $12, in, in a gallery show or some shit? No, I sold it to AOL. Um, AOL bought oh, it. wait. Uh, America and, Online. Oh, shit. Okay. And okay. I sold that shit to them for twelve thousand five, and it was like that piece was the shortest amount of time and the least amount of materials that ever took me to make a piece. It took me twenty seconds to make Yo, it. I found the shit is, in the though. dumpster. It was two parts of an old racetrack, and then a, a blue car that I found in the garden at my house, and I wa washed it off, and I put the two racetracks on the thing with epoxy and glued the car on, and the shit probably took me 20 seconds but, and know, i took a picture of it and sent it and they were like yo we want it and i was like that's i'm just scratching my head i'm like what the fuck dude like i'm getting twelve thousand five hundred dollars for some shit that took me 20 seconds to make so you have to like scale a building and run down a train put that track. into your head hourly what you're getting an hour and then like as an artist you want to say well you, you can't really say i should get that an hour for every other piece, yeah, you know, but that's not the way it works. It's like yeah. you gotta hustle and make that shit happen. Like, yeah, the pieces that you sell for the most, you're never gonna expect that. It's like, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, I mean, you know? we have some mutual friends and then people I know that, you know, were writers and they've kind of made that transition into just selling pieces or design for people or, or you know, getting contracted for like a storefront and, and, and making extremely good money. And, um, you know, it's it's ill to see because, I mean, shit, dude, you're, they, you can make really good money and, and also you're still doing what you love. You're doing art and, you know, maybe I, I imagine after a long time, the, the wild lifestyle starts to maybe, if you stay going to jail, 
fighting, running from cops, all that shit. I'm sure yep. it gets tired after a while. I know what that's yeah. like on a different yeah. level, not doing graffiti. Paying nothing, for but, lawyers, like, yeah. it's just, you run out of money. And, and, you know, let me ask you this, right? Like, some people have been to jail. I have, like, people who have been on this podcast who've maybe served some time for here and there, different things. If you know anything about prison or jail, there's kind of like, um, there's like hierarchies of, of, of what you're in there for. Obviously, people like, Rapists, child molesters—they're like the lowest on the totem pole. They're gonna and get like, fucked know, up. White collar crimes and shit. What is? I, when people I and go, well, you're in here for a painting on a wall. How does that I, go over? But, well, I want to be clear. I never did hard time. Yeah, I yeah. only served in central bookings in like you know maybe 24, 72 hours. But I you probably it, know I some kids who like have nine, been to jail for graffiti though, yeah, right? Like nine, ten times. And there was a few times I was like, damn, I'm gonna go to Rikers for this. I'm not gonna come out of central bookings for this. Um, but I always managed to get out of central bookings and get back on the street and do my thing, you know, get picked up. And, you know, there was one time I got arrested twice in a week and it was like, you know, there's some law in New York where it's like, it's like you get arrested. It's like, uh, something contemplating dismissal. If you don't get arrested within a, a few months or whatever. And like, Continuing I was like, shit, I was like, yo, fuck, I'm going to get, I'm going to fucking Rikers. And I was like, I got to figure my shit out right now. Somehow, because the New York system was so slowed down, like my paperwork didn't make it back into there. So it, it, I didn't have to do that. But I was scared shitless. I was like, yo, if I got to go to Rikers, I got to fucking, that's yeah, when I really become a fucking scary. man and I got to fucking get my shit together. And that's when I was like, yo, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore, man. I, I, I don't want to like have the lifestyle where like going to Rikers Island is like something I'm yeah. looking at, you know? Because if you're painting a canvas or making a sculpture or some shit and worst case scenario, you fuck up or whatever, you're not going to fucking go to jail. Yeah, you're not like a hardcore criminal. It's like, you don't have to, like, you know, I was in there in Central Bookings with dudes that are, like, sharpening shit on the ground, like, because they were, they knew they were going to Rikers. Yeah. And they were like, yo, I'm, and I, when I get in there, I know shit's going to hit the fan because people are going to fucking want to get me. And I was like, damn, dude, I don't, that's we, not the life I want. Like, these, a, these guys were like sharpening piece of plastic on the yeah. floor and shit. They were like, yo, I need some sort of shank to defend myself when I get in there. And I was like, what the fuck? There's, I, a, there's a mutual friend of that. ours whose name I, w I won't say. Uh, he, he was a writer, um, a very good writer. I won't say his name. You'll know who it is. So just, yo, if you hear this, don't blur his name out. But he ended up going there. And uh, I remember he was all, he was, he, I mean, he's, probably a little chiller than you are in terms of being a physically tough dude. And I remember his story was he uh, said that he was uh, addicted to heroin, so he would get sectioned into a, I don't know what kind of unit that's called, so he wouldn't have to be around general population. Not not PC, but something like that. So what they did, though, they're like, okay, all you like heroin addicts in here, here's your methadone, here's your methadone. And so he, he told me that he would like sell or trade some of it, but it at one point, they were, like, watching him to take it, and so he ha couldn't stash it, hide it, whatever, so he, like, took it, and he wasn't, you know, a heroin addict, didn't do opiates, took the fucking methadone, and was in there for a few days just miserable as hell, sick off that, because uh, that was just, you know, not his system's normal feelings, which sounds yeah, grueling. Yeah, yeah dude, I, everyone in my crew always used to say, yo, you can't be a PC bitch, like, oh, yeah, if I mean, you that's... go in, you gotta fucking deal with it, yeah. you can't be a PC bitch. 
And I was like, all right, fuck, man. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want this to get to that point because, like, a lot of my friends, they were at that point and they were going through shit and, like, they didn't have a problem, like, serving a year, two years. And I was like, yo, that's, I, I can't, that's not for me, man. Like, I'm just not that dude. Yeah. You know? I, I and, can't, I can't you know, I was it. with, I was with people in, um, in custody who were like trying to shave their finger fingertips off so that when they went when the time came to like get your fingerprints you, you know it wasn't readable because these you know it was like different different people who had been doing different stuff in different states and if they couldn't link it together then they they might got out that day but it's hard to shave your finger, your fingerprints <laughs> I, I, off. I, I it's it's really hard, man. You can rub your rough. hands on the ground as much as you want, but they'll still get your prints. So, like, I, I mean, yo, you're an incredible artist, one of my favorites. I mean, uh, Renzo had, did, designed one of my album covers way back in the day for J the S, The Last Days that's cover. Right, that's I right. Mean, I have pieces of yours that hang in my house. Um, this motherfucker stole that piece from me, too. It's hanging what, in his what, office. Who? What? This guy, he's who, got that piece. Who's got what the piece, the original one the, you did the, for my the album? The rains, the the one from the album cover. Who has this piece? He's got it in but his but office. But who are you talking about? Because I want that. I'll buy that. Who? Yeah, I'm gonna get it from him. Who's I'm gonna this? tell him. Who are you talking I'm about? I'm not gonna say his oh, name. Oh, 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 yes, that guy. Yes, yeah. Then we're definitely he's not saying his got name. A, he's got yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't even, yeah, don't even go there. Me, but uh, but yeah, what I was getting at was me soon. What I was getting at was you know you you started transitioning. Central bookings again. You transitioned. And you're doing all this ill art. That's fucking the shit. I mean, I love it. A lot of people love it. Well, Did yo, you... I transitioned from being in New York City on that hustle and grime to teaching K through five art at a prep yeah. school in Connecticut. Well, that's what I was going to get to is like, did you, I, a lot of people describe graffiti as a bug, a disease, like a, a drug, like just you're addicted to it. You can't stop even though you keep getting in trouble. When you're teaching art and doing more like legal pieces or canvases or gallery shows, did you miss it? Was it hard to not do it? Did you still go out and stop. attempt? I didn't stop. Like when I first started teaching kids, I was still heavy into it. And I would like bring my black books into the classroom and show the kids. And it's it was weird. Like not... There's not a lot of kids that are going to have an attraction to graffiti, but the year that I started teaching, there was this kid from Thailand who showed up, and he was in seventh grade, and he was, like, heavy into graffiti, and he was like, yo, like, show me his sketches and all his stuff, and I was like, yo, man, look, like, I, I, I know what's up, and he was like, holy shit, like, teach me, teach me. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I was like, yo, I basically like just, I hooked him up, man. I was like, yo, I was, I'm giving him black books, like markers, showing him how to do different techniques. I would give him big canvases so he could use spray paint. And like, I would take him in the class. It is like extracurricular, extracurricular. extracurricular. Like I would get big pieces of cardboard and like show him how to do shit outside with the spray paint and show him how to cut lines and yeah. stuff. And so he was like, damn dude. Oh my God. Yo, yo, with that that phrase, that terminology you you just said, uh, cut lines. He's not making a drug reference. That's a graffiti reference. No, that's that? like yeah, yeah that's to like people you, what that you, means. You do though. a fill in, and then like if you do like your outline, and then you want to come back in and do like an inner line, like you cut your lines, or you could use the the same color from your fill in color to cut your outline color, and you can like make it crisper, you know. Mm. So you do that. I showed him all kinds of shit like that, and this kid's from Thailand. And, you know, he ended up 
going to the same college as me, Pratt Institute. Why you was the? Oh, oh, obviously not because you were fucking teaching him. My bad. No, stoner moments, Nick. Yeah. So, so he, um, he was. He's like probably fifteen years younger than me. You know, I was yeah, like yeah. an old so, dude, like so teaching him. Kind of following your footsteps, dude. You following kind my of footsteps, like a and he mentor. was like, and and he like respected what I taught him about graffiti, and he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna, I can't treat this like a bitch game. Like, I'm gonna fucking do this the way that you taught me." And he's like straight up, chains, bolts. He'll fuck you up if you go over his shit. He's not messing around. Like, did he, you? He'll fucking. Take you out with a machete. But if did you, you ever like kind of share with him the other side of it? Like, yeah, you I about told before? him. I was like, yo, did this you is say what this you is nothing be... to glor- No, no, no. But I mean, not to glorify it, because you were saying how it kind of had an ill effect on you after a while. Maybe yeah, I, I, I told him I was like, this ain't a glory game, dude. I was like, this is like you're gonna be in for beef and and politics that you definitely don't want to even deal with. You know, it's like, and if you're ready for that, like that's the game you're getting yourself into. And he's now like. A top writer in Thailand, he's killing it. Can you squash? Can you write like in, in Thailand six, and not yeah, get dude. like yeah, gone to jail for a yeah, million no, years? No, he crushes it in Thailand. He's I put figured up, they would have had strict laws against graffiti. He's put up rains burners for me Whoa. in Thailand, like big ass blockbusters. And he's like, "Yo, pretty, I did this for you because pretty of what you did for me." And now he's getting down with like top dudes. And dude, that's kind of ill because yeah. not only were you an art teacher still teaching your craft, but you had a impact. You know, regardless of how some people look at it, graffiti or whatever, you had an impact on, I'm sure, many kids' lives. But one kid like that who took it and like stayed with it and, and paid homage and respect. Yeah, he's and always, is productive. he always says, "Yo, I got my style from you." He's like, Do you "I feel got like my style from you." You kind of get to like live slightly vicarious through his art. A little bit. Like I just, I'm just hyped when I see him. He sends me pieces all the time that he does, and I'm like, I'm just hyped to see that he's doing that shit. I just don't want him. To like take it onto the downward spiral aspect of graffiti, where it's like you know a lot of people they get into it, and there's like dudes like I don't know Rhyme or Cause who are like, you know those guys aren't out bombing all the time, like hitting the streets and doing crazy shit. It's like they've managed to parlay their graffiti careers into something that's like they're living off of, yeah. and that's what I tried to teach this kid is that, you know. You don't want to just be bombing all the time and going out every night. Like, yeah, that's important in the beginning because you got to make a name for yourself. But, like, you can't make that, like, the goal for your life is, like, you can't, like, just going out and bombing and catching tags on fucking churches and shit, like, the name of your life. Like, that's, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. Are there writers that never wanted to or were able to make that transition that stayed you know, 40 years old, maybe 50, bombing, yeah, killing yeah. it, no, there's, getting up there's, everywhere and just sure. didn't ever want to make that move? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I always respected Stay High 159. He was a Harlem writer that always killed it and never stepped away from the game and was like, you know, he he, he just did his thing, you know. I don't know, he's he's R.I.P. Stay High, R.I.P. But, um... You know, everybody has their own different way that they're going to do it. And, and in that game, it's like you can't tell anybody like, yo, this is the way or this is the way. You it's like find your own you got to find your own shit. And I think that's a lot of arts. Like you, you yeah. see that with skating. Yeah. Some skaters are able to have a career that goes like insanely long and you don't know how they're physically able to. And some guys kind of you know, like Chris Roberts, who's uh, skated for girl. 
He hosts the most popular skateboard yeah, he's podcast parlayed in the world, that Nine like, Club. He doesn't skate yeah. that much anymore, he might, but he, he parlayed his career into doing something. And he might be more popular as, not that he wasn't a great skater, but he might be more popular as the host of that podcast. He is. Skater, yeah, you know? he's he's much more well-known for being Chris Roberts of the Nine Club than he yeah. is for like doing the, be- the yeah. nose grinds I mean, where he doesn't touch his tail like, and like shit. There's like Mean Williams, another skater, and he was always nasty. Still is nasty. still killing it. But he's very into the health and exercise thing, and he's sponsored by like yeah. Whole Foods and like all these other things, you know? I think no matter what you, you get into, you, whatever your passion is, like whether you're a skateboarder or a rapper or whatever it is, it's like the longevity to, to mm. keep that career going, it's like you can't do the same shit just over and over. Like, you got to parlay what you're doing into different things, you know? Reinvent so, yourself. Evolve. Yeah, reinvent yourself. It's like, the you know, the rappers, the athletes, like... Yeah, athletes become coaches athletes and commentators. Become, like, commentators, yeah. yeah. Like, you can't be an athlete for your entire life, so you yeah. got to figure out how to parlay that into something else. And it's like... No, I mean, do I, same as an artist. I feel you. Artists, I mean, look at Matisse. Matisse was painting until the day that he died with, you know... A, a paintbrush in his mouth and shit because yeah. he couldn't even use his hands. It's no, like, I mean, yo, I, I feel you 100%. And I mean, like, I write books now and I write other things. I, I grew from writing music, although as a kid, I wrote books or, you know, kids' school papers, but I kind of transitioned my songwriting to book writing or my MC live skills or whatever, crowd control skills to hosting podcasts and radio shows and yeah. still taking the same skills and talents but seeing where else can they go because if you have talents and skills it's not just for that one thing you can kind of stretch it yeah and, and redevelop it and finagle it and all that shit yo i was always i'm not gonna say jealous but i always like idolized you for the for Aww. the rap career and Aww, like what, where you were able to take that because Thank like you. when we had rote yeah. return of the essence yeah, we were like, eight, like, like we were 18, fucking kids, yeah we were little kids and i was the dj and i like we, and we did, were just fucking around in, in our yeah, bedroom we did one show it was like you me and cardic and i was like park, scratching yeah. at the skate park and doing that and, and over i was Max. like shout out to mike styles in my head i was like yo i think i could probably get on the mic and rap one day and i would write rhymes and do stuff and i was like but it just never happened and yeah. i was like but then Snake Man, Jake the S, yo, yeah. he took it to the next level and he like won the MC battle in the Boston. Super Bowl battle, like, yeah. Then I got to yo, he killed it, man. Got to travel and, the like, country playing shows. I got to shit, go to Japan like, play Damn, shows. Dude, I was like, yo, I just want to get uh, on a track with. And I got S. to even take it. I transitioned. That's thunder in the background. There's a crazy storm yeah. going on. I even transitioned from just doing the rap shit to to having a band years later because I want to expand my. Yeah. Yeah. Sound. I wanted to stretch my wings. Started taught myself how to play guitar. I'm writing for singers, like you know, yeah, reggae you singers, soul it, singers, just doing different shit. And that's but the same you did reason. It. Like, yeah, and that's the same reason I'm doing what I did now. I kept wanting to uh, evolve, grow, reinvent myself. And I'm always impressed by artists that do that um, because I don't know. I think. I mean, there's some people who might just do one thing forever, and that's great. And if you can, that's awesome. But I do kind of always love seeing people, even if they stay in the same art form or realm, they'll mm-hmm. kind of reinvent what they do within that. Either way. And it's it's so ill because it gives you like hope, motivation, inspiration. And at least for me, I like learning new shit as I get older. I like teaching myself new things. Um, and I think it's hard for a lot of people. I taught myself to play guitar when I was uh, 30. I got into surfing when I was like 33. Uh, Yo, because I had so skateboarding. When you got into surfing, man. That was like the dopest shit. Hey, like, when let you me came tell to Costa Rica, all. Let me tell all these the listeners shit, though, the people that listen to podcasts. You know, I talk about surfing. I have surfers on. 
I didn't really get into surfing till I was in my early 30s, but when I was 15 and I was me and Tyler already skating, I went out my only and first time in Nantucket and only time we went out there. So not only is is Renzo, is Tyler an ill surfer and his brother an ill surfer, their father is an ill surfer. And I, I have my skateboard skills and my snowboard skills. They took me out for my first time surfing, and I don't even know if I even got up or whatever, and it was cold as shit, but I fucking loved it. And I always knew, man, down the line, down the line, I want to do this shit. You know, I want to try. I want to like transfer my skateboard skills, and I felt like I could. And then I get to go surf with this dude. We were in Costa Rica surfing these crazy waves, and and that was was mad fun. Falling in water is a lot different Uh, than falling on cement. I mean, if you've ever broken bones, hit your head, had a concussion, got cracked up skateboarding, it fucking hurts. And not that you can't get fucked up surfing, because I know people have gotten fucked up surfing. You can. But you on can. the average basis, I don't mind falling on a six, seven foot wave and getting yeah. dragged under, because falling down eight stairs or falling off a rail and dislocating your elbow or That's blacking out, hitting that. your head, fucking scary, dude. Like, there's, yeah, there's stair sets that, like, you just, at this age, will not fuck with. But dude, you might this- take off on a wave that you're like, yeah. This shit seems big, but yo, I think I got this. You yeah, know? like yeah. I'm gonna go for it, and like yeah. you know, if it's not too big, yeah. you're okay. And, you know, like where I see when I was younger, when we were skating, right? At least for me, I can't speak for you. That was like my my everything. That's all I loved to do. I wanted to never do anything but skateboarding. Like skip school, fucking skateboard the night, the day, the middle, yeah. whatever. And I wanted to like go pro. Uh, I mean, I got sponsored by a couple shops, but eventually I realized like. I'm not gonna to go pro is very hard and in the East Coast very hard just due to the weather. So when I got into surfing, I didn't ever think like, okay, I'm gonna be a fucking pro or an M surfer. Like that was never even on the table. I wanted to purely do it just for fun and exercise. Whereas skateboarding, yeah. I took kind of seriously, you know. So surfing, I approached it differently. Like when I was young, I don't know if tell me same, if this no, happened same, though. Same, same. But like, when you I'd when you were skating, at, I never looked at surfing as like. Something I, I want to make a living off of. It was always like, yo, this is just my connection to nature. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Skating, I thought differently. When I was getting into skating, well before I met you, when I was like 12, when I first started, right? Like, I wanted to learn all who the pros were. I wanted to learn how to put a board together. I wanted to learn all the terms. I wanted to yeah. have, like, the cool shows, the cool deck, the cool trucks. And I kind of accidentally put getting good or my skills later. Eventually, I got good, but... When I got into surfing, I didn't care about who a fucking pro was, what a trick was. I had to ask my boys who were teaching me like how to you know, put a fin on and what the wax techniques were. But my yeah, whole focus yeah. was just getting good. And I got better so much faster than skating. Or even I, I started surfing with friends who had been surfing for two years. And my, my skill level excelled so fast because I put no emphasis on anything but the, yeah. the skill. And it was way more fun and satisfying. There's a much more personal connection that you get from surfing. Whereas, like, if you go to a skate park and you go and, like, do tricks on the quarter pipe, like, that quarter pipe's not changing. But, like, yeah, when you go there. surfing, the wave is there's never, ever one wave that's the same. They're different every single time. Even the same break. It could be like a break where like the waves seem like they're the same every time, but there's a no. little something about every wave that's different. And Mother Nature's doing that. It's oh. like, you know, man makes the skate parks. Mother Nature creates the waves. And when you're out there, you're at the mercy of her. And it's like, there's something, something greater about that than being at a skate park. Mm. And... You know, doing the same thing or trying the same trick on something that was that's you know it's not going to change, but there's something different about like 
feeling the water like coming in under you and like not knowing if there's a fish or if there's a shark or oh. if there's oh. you know like just the, the tips of the waves when they break they change a little bit each one so it's like you never know what you're gonna get and and you have to play with her on yeah. that you and, know, my, and, one of my favorite things about surfing was like it, you want to skate right obviously if it's raining you gotta go in, maybe inside to a park or whatever but if you want to skate and you're physically able to you can go skate when you want to surf and you have the time and you're physically able to, there's the fucking variable of of the of the conditions, of the weather. Just because you have the time, you're in good shape, you're ready to go, doesn't mean there's any waves that day or the winds got yo, them blown out. Yo, and you have to kind of be yeah. humbled and just, you know, go with the flow more, which is very healthy for me. And there's been a lot of there. times when I've been out in the waves and I've seen like a 70, 80-year-old dude on a longboard catching a sweet ride and having a shit-eating grin on his face and he's so fucking happy but you never see that at a skate park. You don't see a 70 or 80 year old dude like ripping the bowl like yeah. Tony Hawk's in Enigma. I don't know how he's Omar still Hassan. doing that shit. Omar Hassan. Yeah. He still goes Steve Caballero, you know, uh, Christian Nassoy. Those guys still can rip. They can still catch air on a vert ramp. But there's not many people that can do that. Like, if you look at the amount of people that can still catch a wave and ride a surfboard and get the joy out of that, Fuck. Make you live a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, if you just keep doing it, then you can do it. It's the same as skating, but. Yeah. One thing that I've always, uh, I don't know, I guess, admired, respected, been interested in or blown away by or whatever by by you is, uh, is Tyler has like nine lives. He's like a cat. Tyler will get in more trouble to most people, more crazy situations, more accidents, and walk away, not not even get fucked up, I mean, walk away like Wolverine, like no no scratch. I used to call you Wolverine. I know, I like know. you heal like with no, that you, adamantium you, you skeleton. Were like, Yo, you're like a badger, dude. You were like, you are, a, if you were an animal, you'd be a badger. And like, part of you, me- I don't like, know how you walk away from I, half the shit you- I know, and from. I don't get that shit either. It's like, I, I should definitely- probably be dead yeah like the amount of cars i've crashed dude, dude the amount you, of shit that if, i've done if, like i don't want to make you tell any stories you don't want to tell your stars are yours um there's a few incredibly cr- and yo disclaimer no one's advertising reckless driving be safe where a no, seatbelt drive the speed be limit be safe be safe and but, these stories yeah. if anything could be precautionary if you, if you tales. gotta get out of trouble you gotta Can, there's get a lot of, of them would you share there's one that I, like jumps in my mind um I don't want to say it because you're going to tell it better. Like the one where I ran nine miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you, can you tell that one? Because that one's crazy. I mean, Hilarious that's just one of the crashes I got in. You know, I was in a volatile relationship. We were um, we were at a wedding. We left. And, I, you know, it's like just the way shit went. I don't know why. I went back to her house and I was speeding and it started raining and the car just slipped and flipped. And like, I don't, it's like when you, I don't know if you, if you've not been in a flipped car where the airbags go off, it's like, it's, it's scary. And I was pinned in there with wallabies on Clark's <laughs> yeah. wallabies with the rubber soles. And it's like, you can't run in wallabies or, wallabies or kick the door out. Ankle. So I was like trying to kick, I, I was like trapped in the car with the airbags going off and I was trying to kick the door out. And like the rubber soles of the wallabies just kept bouncing back on me. So I was like, what the fuck, dude? And so finally I kicked it hard enough. I got the door open and I was like, yo, I got to just, I got to just dip. And so I just ran. I just ran as fast as I could away from that car. And 
you know, I did knock on a door. No, that's not the one I'm even thinking of, dude. No, I, I, I knocked on the door of these people's house and nobody was home. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I, I, I know which direction I have to go to get home. So I'm just going to go. And uh, I, I just kept running full speed sprint. The next day, my, my thighs were like mush. I was like, how did I run that fast? I ran eight miles in like 10 minutes, it seemed like. It was like super fast. And when I, I, I got to my parents' house first... And I got to my parents' house, and when I got to their house, like, seconds after, the police pulled in. And I was so like, oh, do? shit. So I was like, Mom, I said, Mom, listen to me on this shit. Just shut the fuck up and listen to me. I was like, pour me a glass of whiskey. She's like, no, I'm not doing it. I was like, my dad was like, just fucking listen to him. And mm. so... That was, like, one time where I was, like, oh, my pops is, like, actually respecting my opinion and, like, you know, he yeah. understands that, like, I know what's going on and he doesn't and, like, I can handle this shit. So she brought the whiskey out, poured me a glass, and the second the cop came in the door, I drank it right in front of him. Why did you do that? So that there's no question. It's, like, he can't say I was drunk. I was, like, no, you just saw me drink and I'm not in the car. I'm in the house. What would you say to him? Or what, what was your explanation why you was drinking right there? In front I was of like, face? yo, man. I was like, I went to the house. I went to two houses down the street. Nobody was there. I was fla flailing my arms in the road. Like, nobody was there to help me. Like, I was looking for help. My, no cell phone service. I was like, so I just ran to my parents' house. And he was like, he couldn't say shit. But what were you saying? I'm drinking because I'm stressed. My yeah, I was like, no, nah, dude. I was uh... like, yo, my nerves are so stressed. I was like, I need a drink. I was like, you know, I did it right in front of him. I was like, mom, pour me a drink. She poured me the drink. I took the shot right in front of him. And then he couldn't say shit about me drinking. And so what was the outcome? You're good. You, you're I didn't have no outcome. They were like, saying, he was trying to get me for, for he was like, trying uh, to get me for leaving the scene of the accident. And I went to court on that and I beat it and I didn't have there was no outcome. Except for the fact that I lost my car. Well, yeah, that's not the first a time. Volvo SUV. That's that was a nice. That was a nice car. You may have flipped more cars than I've owned. I kick flipped the Rav Four in the Bronx or in City Island. Yeah, I, I kick flipped the Rav Four in the Bronx and then <laughs> made it back to City Island. I couldn't believe that one. I thought there was a the funnier part of that one. Not the not that any car accidents are funny. We're not advertising it, but the the funnier part of that one was like you. Unless I'm mistaken here, you didn't remember that you would kick flip the car until you went out of the house the next day and saw the car. Like you were unaware that it was. Yeah, that it was that up. was a, that was a fucked up night. It was bad. It was. Uh, I was supposed to drop my girl off. This chick I was dating. I was supposed to drop her off the airport. She was supposed to go to Mexico and hang out with her friend. And on the way, that's what happened. Like we went to a. a like work party and like then everyone was like do shots do shots i was like yo what the yeah. fuck and then yeah we were on our way to the airport and that's when that happened and so she was like she got out of the car and she like was super pissed and she was like i'm just gonna take the bus and i was like yo what yeah, yeah understandable completely wild times. that was like kind of the end of our relationship ah. like that was like the yeah ah. part of it i i did yeah i could see how that might have disrupted the waters a bit but you know yeah we knew i mean we were I, our relationship was always like 
temporary for me. I, I felt like you know, it was we like all, I met her. I met her on a rebound of another relationship. Ah, yeah, it's a classic rebound thing. We have those. Yeah, and then you it's, get stuck in this shit, yeah. and then it's like, ah, we what am those. I doing? But we've all. It's it sucks. I mean, obviously, when you're the person dating after a breakup, uh, you know, you're kind of hurt. You're a little sad. You're a little fucked up. But if you're the person who's the rebound date, like this girl in your case, that kind of uh, sucks. I've always wondered if I've ever been the rebound. Per- I've definitely done the rebound dating thing, but if I've ever been the person in that girl's situation I for you, I think I've been there. I don't know if I have. I, I might know. not. I be- maybe you wouldn't get told. Maybe the girl wouldn't let you know. Yeah, I've never. I don't know. Sometimes I didn't tell a girl. Although but, I'm but for for her, it was like, yo, I went to Ben Ben and JJ's graduation at RISD. That's how I met her. It was like. If I didn't go to their graduation and be like, yo, what's up? And that's when I met Ben's dad. And when he grabbed my nuts, he was like, come on, each. Like, I never met a dude before. And he like, you meet a dude and he comes up to you and like, you've never met him before. And he just walks up to you and fucking reaches down and grabs your nutsack. And he's like, what's up? And you're like, what the fuck is going on, dude? And my ben, my buddy was like, yo, that's like some Japanese shit people do. And I was like, well, yo, we're not in Japan, dude. I've like, been to Japan. No one grabbed my nuts. Yo, Ben's dad does that shit. He grabs people's nuts, like full on grabs your nuts. Mm. Mm. And then afterwards, if you like react appropriately, he'll shake your hand. That's but he's like a man. samurai, dude. Yeah, he's yeah, like no, a I met legit the samurai, man. Speaking of which, Ben Mori, I don't know why, dude. He watch, watches that movie, The Last Samurai, like all the time. Oh, the dude. one with uh, thing, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yo, he loves that shit. That's interesting. I, Tom Cruise is a weird dude to me because ne- once I knew he was a, a Scientologist, I could never look in his face and like dig his shit yeah, the same I way. Can't, I can't he take just that looks dude cuckoo seriously. To me. There's a lot of these you know, like actors. Five, I can't take him like seriously. Five, five, four, yeah, he's like, a short little gentleman. I'll watch their movies sometimes, but like I can't take him seriously on a Some personal Steven level. Seagal. Steven Seagal, that's different, dude. <laughs> Code of Honor, bro. That's a probably a rare recent one that nobody's watched, but or know. the Absolution. Yo, Steven Seagal, don't fuck with Steven Seagal. That's all I gotta say. Have you been doing any art lately? Like, yeah, I do. Do I do art every day and to some extent? Like, I create something to some extent every day, whether it's like something in my garden. Or a painting, or, or a sculpture. Stuff in the gallery, ever the wor- stuff in the gallery. the gallery. Yeah, like I, I'm a, I curate this gallery in in Woodbury, Connecticut, 53 Main Street. Go there, go there, Show go there. Saturday, four to six. Go Matt there. Wood, holler. Matt Wood's been on NPR. He's got a bunch of interviews. He's famous for uh, burying his paintings around Connecticut and digging them up, and it creates this crazy patina on the shit. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, show this Saturday, holler. Go. Go, go there. Do you like to still go to like art shows and shit? Is a is just like a, a yeah. I do, art? I do, but it's like I don't ever have time. It's like fucking. I work my ass off, yeah. and it's like I get home, and then I'm like, shit. I got all this stuff to do at home. Like, I got. I just mowed like ten people's lawns today, and all this other shit around their house. And now I get home, and I gotta do my own shit. Yeah. Like I gotta mow my own lawn. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> fuck. So I don't want to be, you know the landscaper whose grass is high it's like or, or the the, oh. the artist who doesn't have any paintings it's like oh that's a good that's a good point you know if you're yeah. gonna be doing something yeah. it's like you gotta show people like yo yeah, man you don't wanna like hire the the physical personal trainer who's like chubby and out of shape yeah. and shit it's, it's bad like, it doesn't make any sense so it's like I want my shit to look tight I want my house to look good my gardens to look good and you know that's a reflection of me as a person yeah. you know like 
I can see my neighbors when they come by, they're like, yo, man, this shit looks tight. Like, you're doing a good job with your house. It's like, that feels good for me. And it's it's not a painting, but it's definitely something that I find, like, Take pride in. I could be creative with. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I pick where the plants go. I pick where the shit goes uh. in the garden. And it's like, yeah, it's just being creative is helpful for the mind no matter what you're doing. You know? uh. Yeah, like whether I, it's making music or whatever. No, like, I I feel that. I feel like there's more places where you can implement your creativity than most people think. Yeah, most people would look at something and be like, "Well, there's no way I can be creative and artistic with that." But if you were an artistic dude, you can put that shit into a lot of places. Yeah, like even with this, like you're being creative in the sense in the, in the way that like you're conducting this interview. Like you're you're doing it in a way that's like you, you know you're invoking questions for me that yeah. are good and it's like you're you're good with it dude it's well, like uh, it's like joe uh, rogan is good uh. at that shit and it's like you know maybe you're the next joe rogan who knows <laughs> a, we'll i don't see. know i still have my hair dude i'm still trying to hold on to my fucking hair 